Hello, this is Curtis Edwards, Vice President of Investor Relations at Hudson Investing. Are you ready to start building your multifamily portfolio? Kent and I are excited to announce our newest deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This 157-unit property offers a unique chance to acquire a B-class value-add property for just $120,000 per door. This is well below replacement costs. De-risking the deal even further is a favorable loan assumption with over six years remaining at 3.73% fixed. With 50 economic development projects underway and 70,000 jobs within a 20-minute drive, the South Carolina upstate region is primed for above-average job, population, and rent growth. Don't miss out on this exclusive deal. Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. I think it makes a lot of sense for folks who are have enough on their plate now, but they want to diversify their nest egg. They maybe have concerns about the stock market. They realize real estate is fairly stable. It's not recession proof but it sure is not as volatile as the stock market. And it is also better set up simply to provide cash flow than stock investments are. Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools. And I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors. Welcome to Ritter on Real Estate, where we teach you how to invest like a pro. Got a special guest today. His name is Arn Sinadella, and Arn has been in the real estate business for over 40 years, and he's learned a lot, and he's here to share that with us today. He's had an interesting journey where he was a longtime single-family renter or rental owner, and has now moved on to multifamily and is now focusing on multifamily investments. And he recently founded Spark Investments, and he's helping single-family landlords and busy professionals invest in multifamily apartments. So really interested, Arn, to dig into your story and all the value you can share from your 40 years of experience. So thanks for being with us today. Hey, Kent. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to chatting to you with you about real estate investment and hope to provide some useful information to your listeners as they go on their investing journey. So looking forward to helping them as much as I can. Awesome. Let's dig into it. So let's start off with, you know, a little bit about you. You know, how did you get into real estate? Give us kind of a brief synopsis of that 40-year span and the different things that you've done. How about that? Yes, there's a lot to cover, but uh, you know, time is valuable, so that I understand. So I was a pretty typical kid growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area on the San Francisco Peninsula in what is now more commonly known as Silicon Valley, and went to school, college, grad school, got a master's degree in uh, physical chemistry. 
But then it occurred to me that probably wasn't my life's passion. So I returned to the San Francisco Bay Area where my father had a residential real estate company in Menlo Park, California. So that was way back 1978, I think March 1978, I got my California real estate salesperson license and went to work selling single family homes and condominiums in one of the best real estate markets in the world. I was blessed to be able to live and work there. My dad was an old school guy, born in 1919, lived through the depression. And so he was pretty much fundamental investor. He understood that investing brokerage was really the key to long-term success. And he started investing in single family homes and he accumulated a fairly sizable portfolio. And being the good son that I am, I kind of followed in his footsteps. And as my real estate brokerage career grew, I started to acquire single family rental homes, both in the San Francisco Bay Area and elsewhere in the country, most notable Austin, Texas. And so I managed most of the local properties myself and over the years have had probably 25, 30 rental properties, maybe at one time up to 30, 35 doors. And in 2020, I made the decision to uh, transition into multifamily investing. Gotcha. So a long history in single family, clearly had success there, right? Doing it for over 30 years. So what was the trigger in 2020 that made you decide to switch into multifamily investing? Uh, Great question. And, you know, I always marvel at how someone's life direction can kind of just switch on a phone call or a movie or a book. And Certainly, I was aware of multifamily, but I was happy doing the single family investing. It did well. Bay Area is mainly a capital growth appreciation market, not so much a capital cash flow market. And in the middle of March, a young investor buddy of mine, I'm now living in Greenville, South Carolina, called me up middle of March 2020 and said, hey, Arn." what do you think is going to happen with rent collection due to COVID? And so we had a long conversation and basically I told him, Hey, Mario, I don't know. Ask me on April 5th, right? If my April rents come in, I'll let you know what happened. And anyway, at the end of the phone call, he sent me a podcast on multifamily and the impacts of COVID. And so I listened to that And honestly, kind of a light bulb went off in my head. This was right when COVID had kind of hit the United States. We were starting to shut things down. And I probably listen to podcasts three, four hours a day, a variety of podcasts, including yours during that time period, as well as several others. And so I kind of became fascinated by it. And the whole thesis behind multifamily made sense to me. So I can go more into the specific details of that if you'd like. Yeah, no, I think it's a great story. I think it it obviously resonates with me as I spend most of my time in multifamily. But, you know, what are some of the, maybe for folks that are are less familiar with some of the reasons to invest in multifamily, what were the specific things 
that attracted you to multifamily and to walk away from the long career with those single family rentals? Sure. Great question. And I would say there were primarily two or three factors. So one thing I've always done with my investments is I kind of keep a spreadsheet of fair market value, loan balance, equity, gross income, expenses, net income. And at the start of every year, I kind of review my portfolio. And when I did it at the start of 2020, and I actually looked at my cash flow based on the equity in these single family homes, I was probably only getting about three to 4%, if that makes sense. So the net dollars I put in my pocket was about three to 4% of the total equity in my portfolio. And I'm not complaining, they're great properties, they were going up in value. But I think as I got older, I'm now 66, I started to focus more on cash flow rather than capital growth. I'm in a secure financial position, but cash flow becomes more important, I think, to folks as they get older as compared to when they're in their peak earning years. So number one reason to switch to multifamily was increased cash flow based on my equity. The second one was as much as I enjoyed managing my single family rentals in 40 years, if I have even one horror story of being a landlord, it would be hard for me to remember. So I've had a happy landlording career. I was good at picking good tenants and I was blessed, fortunate, however you want to say it. So I don't really have any nightmare stories about it, but it is time consuming, dealing with repairs, keeping track of 15 different mortgages, 15 different property tax bills, collecting 20 or 30 rents. And I just wanted to free up some of my time for that. So with multifamily and the economies of scale, you can more easily afford professional property management on a 100, 200 unit building. Property management might be two, three, four percent of the gross rent. Single family, you're probably paying eight to ten. So there's some economies of scale with the property management that makes sense, plus just taking the day-to-day responsibilities off me and putting it on a professional who's kind of doing it full time. So I'd say that's number two. And then number three, I think. The demographics in society is different than, say, 30 years ago. I think we're moving more towards a renter nation, or if maybe that's not the right word, I would say a more mobile society. So I'd say somebody my age, the dream back when I was 30 was to afford the nice house at the end of the cul-de-sac in suburbia, and that's where I'd raise my kids where I think today's 30-something, they want to live in London. They want to you know, spend six months in Bali, whatever it happens to be. We're a much more global, more mobile society. And I think that just, therefore, renting makes sense in a more mobile society than a stationary one. And then I think the fourth factor is in most major metropolitan areas, housing affordability is a huge issue. And there's so many people who can't afford to buy. I think everything's pointing towards renters. And that's right where multifamily comes in. Gotcha. 
Okay. So what I heard you say was there's yeah, definitely some just from a time and of a work-life balance aspect, right? There's benefits that you saw, but also you're looking at, at the demographic and economic indicators too and saying you're just reading the tea leaves and seeing the trends and seeing that multifamily is where you want to be in it. I mean, it makes a ton of sense to me, obviously, but I think hopefully that really resonates with folks. I think one thing that, because I have a lot of conversations with folks that are you know, single family landlords, maybe they have a couple of properties and, and they're thinking about investing in multifamily and and they, they want to understand more about it. I think the thing that I often, that you touched on that resonated with me from a lot of those conversations is people often undervalue or underestimate the time commitment of having 10, 20, 40 separate properties and having to manage the different mortgages and the different tax bills and different contracts and all those things. Whereas in multifamily, when you're bringing that together and have it all under one roof, you have the same scale and it's just much more efficient. And there's just a lot, it's just a lot less time from a time management perspective. Precisely. And, you know, for me, my entire career has been spent in real estate. So I haven't had, say, the typical nine to five job where I got to be at the office and I've got three meetings every day. So for me to kind of manage my properties, that was just kind of my day-to-day activity. I was out showing property to buyers or tenants. I was meeting with contractors, staging houses, fixing houses up. So probably a little easier for me being a real estate professional to manage my portfolio where if somebody has a high demand corporate job, they just don't have time to run around town and keep track of these things. So yes, I think the time is a big part of it. And I also believe there is a reason for specialization of labor. And so if you're a great software engineer, spend your time doing that, right? Let somebody else manage the property. And of course, then the economies of scale come back into it because the property managers have systems and operations and things. So I think it just makes a lot of sense. And to me, people are so pressed for time in our current society. I mean, it's, you know, the average corporate person, it's probably not a nine to five job. They're probably, it's probably more a seven to six job, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have family and how do you fit it all in? So I think the idea of moving into multifamily as a passive investor, letting professionals run the operation, I think it makes a lot of sense for folks who are have enough on their plate now, but they want to diversify their nest egg. They maybe have concerns about the stock market. They realize real estate is fairly stable. It's not recession proof, but it sure is not as volatile as the stock market. And it is also better set up simply to provide cash flow than stock investments are. So I think there's a lot of rationale behind looking at that. And I'm not asking folks to move all of their nest egg into real estate. I would just ask them to consider moving a part of it into real estate as a diversification strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of wisdom there, Arn. I think you're exactly right. And 
from a risk adjusted return standpoint, there's really nothing else that'll beat it, right? And, and that's why we do what we do, right? That's why we're here doing what we do. So you made an interesting point in that around investing passively in multifamily, because I believe that that's how you started your, as you got interested in multifamily, right? That was kind of the next step for you. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that and, and what your thought process was of going into those passive investments and how that's helped you get to the point where you are now? Yes, great question. So I made my first passive investment May of 2020, right in the height of COVID. And what I did over 2020 is I've sold three or four of my rental properties, taken the proceeds, and I've now made six LP investments, passive investments in syndications. And you look at the sponsor, so I would evaluate the track record of the sponsor, also look at the market and invest in markets that I felt were growth markets. Most of my investments have been either in the Southeast or the Mountain West, two areas I particularly like. So by doing this, I increase my cash flow. I get regular ACH deposits into my checking account. It's fabulous. It's like my social security check, you know, which is also good, which I started taking maybe three months ago. So it's nice having those monthly distributions or quarterly distributions show up in your checking account. And I don't have to worry about any repairs or management. And so it's a good way to put my capital to work for me and give me a decent return. Mm -hmm. uh, that's great. And what have you learned from being a part of those passive investments? Well, I've learned quite a bit from podcasts. I've done a few boot camps. I would say by investing in six or seven different passive investments, they all have a slightly different structure. They all have slightly different flavor. And so as I think, as you get more familiar with the offerings, you start to get a better idea of what as an investor you should be looking at. And you just kind of get a feel for how the deal set up and what are the critical factors. And so I think it's just experience in evaluating these deals, attending the webinars, listening to the sponsors, present the investment. And while you're listening, you can say, does that ring true to me? Is what this person's saying, does it make sense or does it not make sense? Do I get a sense that this is an individual I can trust with my hard-earned cash? And so I think you can develop a gut sense. And then also they should be willing to have like one-on-one -on -one conversations with you. And if you have questions and they, you need to drill down and you need a little hand-holding, they should be able to do that to earn your business. So I've learned a lot with my own. One of the great things I love about passive investing is the ability to diversify. So of my six passive investments, Two would be considered class A, newer, fancier, more expensive properties, high income tenant demographic. I've got two class B properties and I've got two class C and I'm spread out in six different locations. So again, I come back to the notion of diversification and as a passive investor, 
it's almost like a smorgasbord, right? You can take a little here, a little here, and, you know, kind of spread the risk a little bit. You don't need to go all your chips in on one investment. I wouldn't recommend that. Spread it around a little bit, get your feet wet, see how these operators work. And as you go on, you can build relationships with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a couple of things that you said that really resonated with me that we talk about a lot on this show is sounds like you started by vetting the sponsor out, right? And getting to know the sponsors and really understanding their personalities and, and trying to judge if those people have integrity, right? And so you really started there. And then you went into the market and said, okay, are they operating in markets that I want to be in, right? And making a decision based on the market. I think those two things are so important before you start looking at individual deals. Yes, 100%. Because as a limited, you know, like most things in life, what is a benefit can also be a con. So the benefit of passive investing is you don't have to worry about it. The con is you have no control, right? So you know what I mean? And so it you don't have to worry about it because you don't have any control. And so it's really important to do that investigation before you invest your money. And I think the other thing I would say is all of these investment offerings, they're going to talk about cash on cash and internal rate of return and equity multiplier and all the numbers are important. But I wouldn't necessarily think the ones with the highest numbers are definitely the best investment, right? So you kind of got to use your judgment as to what is practical and reasonable. If you have somebody saying, I'm going to raise rent 5% a year for five years, and I'm going to give you a 19% IRR, it sounds good, but you got to back up from that and kind of say, is that really feasible? So I would encourage passive investors to kind of look beyond the numbers and kind of make some assessment is the business plan and the projected returns achievable. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fantastic point. I don't think you can hit home on that enough that and I think you have a unique perspective in that you owned rentals for years, right? So, so you understand you know, rent growth and how things like that work. You're in real estate, selling real estate, so you understand markets and demographic trends. But I think challenging the assumptions, right, is what you're talking about, is understanding what assumptions are they making in their model? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, every pro forma is wrong. Every pro forma is wrong because you're never going to 100% hit everything. And it may be better wrong. It may be worse wrong. But, you know, it's always just your best guess. But it's all about the assumptions that are being made. And are the assumptions reasonable? And so as an investor, you have to be educating yourself to know what's reasonable and what's not, right? You've got to be educating yourself to know that 5% rent growth over five years in most markets is unachievable. And it should be more like a 2 or 3%, right? But I think doing the education, like you said, right? You said that you started with podcasts and books and webinars and everything else. That was your first level of your education, right? And yes. then you started investing passively once you had a base of education. And that investing passively lets you get to the next level of education, right? Where you're actually in the deals, you're asking questions directly to sponsors, you're seeing it from the inside and the numbers and what's going on. And, and so you're building your base, right? And doing that. And, and the reason I could say all that is, is too, because I mean, it's really the same thing that I did when I started investing, 
was started with educational webinars and mentors and things and moved on to passive investing and then then eventually moved on active you know once i felt that i you know for me it was like when i was going to those conferences and i started really knowing everything that they were talking about i was like you know when at the first conference i went to i had no idea <laughs> and then you know three years down the road after going to you know eight ten conferences every year it started to get to the point where oh yeah i know what he's talking about now i don't need to be in there you know type of thing you start to build that confidence but anyway i just i think your path there is just such a good path a path that i would recommend for really anybody that wants to go from you know, really whatever you're doing into multifamily investing. And especially if you want to get to the point where you're actively doing your own deals, where you're sponsoring your own deals is, is you got to build that base of knowledge up so that you avoid those pitfalls before you're trying to take on other people's money, because that's a big commitment and you need to take that seriously. Yes. And there's always, I'm an old school guy and there's a lot of people in the multifamily community and I'm not arguing with them. And they kind of say, go big. You know, my problem was I didn't go big soon enough. And that's okay. But I think I'd come back to your point more about building a proper foundation, Mm -hmm. right? Don't get Mm -hmm. ahead of your skis, right? Don't, I think there's a sequence to education and investing. And if you stick with the sequence, it may take a little longer but you're just building a more solid platform. And so when the bad times come, and I've been in business since 1978, I paid 11 and three quarters for my first mortgage, 11 and three quarters percent, okay? Reality check when now it's (laughs) two and a half, okay? So, and what I would say is on my own journey, I'm now starting to move into the active side of the multifamily syndication business. I just completed a small 12-unit acquisition here in the upstate of South Carolina with a couple local buddies of mine. Yeah, we're excited after this call. We have to go there and uh, we're remodeling three of the units, putting in granite. So it's exciting. I mean, that's the other great thing about being a multifamily. You get to take these properties and you get to fix them up and you make, you know, you upgrade the HVAC and the plumbing and you make them nice places to live and you charge people a reasonable rent and you get great tenants. I like to improve properties. It's something I enjoy. So, I've also been co-GP on two transactions now, 167 units in Augusta, Georgia, and 93 units in Easley, South Carolina, which is kind of a Greenville suburb. So again, that's one more step on my education. And I'm talking to investors and I'm investing alongside investors because I wouldn't ask anybody to invest in a project unless I was also willing to invest my money, right? I got to put my money where my mouth is. If I believe in it, I can communicate that to other investors. And so, again, my knowledge has taken up to another leap. And I continue to try to learn every day. I just finished the MFIN Summit that Dan Hanford does. I'll be at the best ever conference that uh, Joe Fairless runs again, all virtual. And what I would say is, even with 40 years experience, 
I don't think I'm ready to tackle a 200-unit multifamily deal being the lead operator. I still need to learn the specifics of this business more before I feel comfortable assuming that role. So at this point, I kind of want to play a more supporting role. I give the, the operators my input based on 40 years of experience the physical construction of the properties are not much difference. Two or three story garden apartments are really the same construction as single family houses, it's the same materials, it's the same heat systems. Renting to tenants is very similar. And so I'll continue my process. And I think the goal would be eventually to maybe move into uh, a more lead role. But even with that, I would only do it. If I had the proper team in support that I teamed up with three or four people who had the skills that I lacked, who were strong in the areas that I am weak on, and you kind of get this synergy where the sum is greater than the, how do you say it? The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So I need to partner with the right people to make it a successful transaction, both for me and my investors. Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly right. I think the weight and the reverence that, that you take in thinking about doing that, I think it is refreshing. It's a great point of view. And I think you're exactly right. You know, people say all the time, multifamily is a team sport, and it totally is. You find folks that compliment yourself and, and your business really starts to take off. So, well, Arn, it's been great having you on. I really appreciate talking. Well, thank you. Yeah, as we wrap things up, I like to do a little segment called the Keys to Success. And okay. I, know, I know you've got a lot of them, I'm sure, over your career. But the first question I want to ask is, what is the one thing, if you only got one question, that people should be asking their sponsor to understand if it's a deal they should be investing in? I would ask them, how many prior deals have you done or are currently operating in that particular market? Mm -hmm. So right. track record, but not just track record, track record in a particular market, because it does change as you go yes. from, from city to city. Yes. And I think... If you have an operator in one area, they build up a team of property managers and contractors and they know the laws and it's like rinse and repeat. So, yes, Definitely. they have to be in that market. They have to have other projects in that market before I'll invest with them. Gotcha. And what are you most proud of in your career? I would say I'm most proud of trying to conduct my business in an ethical manner I was never concerned with being number one in my office. What was more important to me was taking care of my clients and friends and doing the very best that I could for them. As I often tell people, I may not always be right, okay? My opinion may not prove to be right. My thinking about it is not always correct, but whatever I tell you, is what I honestly believe. And that's kind of the best I can do. So you're going to get a straight on assessment from me. And so I'm proud of that. And I've built a great network of friends, past clients, and by taking care of them, and they even turn 
have provided me a wonderful career in real estate through referrals and repeat business. So like most things that work well, it's kind of a win-win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's great. What book should everyone be reading? Well, can I give you two? So sure. I, yeah. So I would say in terms of multifamily syndication, you could start with the best ever apartment syndication book. That's mm-hmm. kind of a go-to thing, not the be all end all, but if you want to learn kind of the background and a lot of the basics and give you a foundation to go, I think that would be great. And then another book that's had a big impact on my life, which I probably read 20 or 30 years ago, is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And it kind of talks about just trying to focus on the present, you know, drop the regret about the past, forget about the fear or anticipation of the future and just kind of be in the present. And if you can stay in the present, generally things are okay. You know, it's when you start thinking backwards or forwards that uh, problems can arise. So I think that's a great book in terms of personal growth. Yeah, awesome. And then what is your number one key to success? For me, I would say it is networking And through networking, you can help people. So kind of the more people you know in a related industry, whether they're lenders or uh, closing attorneys or title people or contractors, whatever it happens to be, your network, people you can count on, people you can rely on, and being able to call on them to help people you care about I think is really critical. And I'm sure you have your kind of go-to people that you know they can handle their end of the business perfect and it makes your job easier and you know your folks are in good hands. So I'd say that's absolutely critical. Awesome. Those are great tips. So Arn, how can folks get a hold of you if they want to learn more, if they want to connect with you? Sure, that would be great. So uh, the name of my company is Spark Investment Group. The website is investwithspark.com, S-P-A-R-K. Email would be arn at investwithspark.com. And then my cell phone is 650-575-6114. Reach out. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. As you can tell, Kent and I always love talking real estate investing. So both of us are happy to talk to anyone at any time about it. It's something we we enjoy and feel passionate about. Most definitely. Most definitely. We'll, we'll make sure all that gets in the show notes so people Thank can, you. can check that out. Arn, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on today and sharing your journey and your insights. Uh, I think a lot of, brought a lot of value to folks today and some unique perspectives. So thank you again. Thank you. I enjoyed it. And I hope your listeners do too. Thanks so much, buddy. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro. 